Anybody want to try to sing that high? Whoo, man, that was good and uh, very good. Well, it's good to be together. And if you don't mind, I'm just going to stand here and enjoy it for a minute, all right? And uh, just enjoy being back together with uh, so many of you. The last two weeks, we've had 50 uh, uh, thereabouts have come in each week, and that's been a blessing. And then so many of you being able to come back this week as well. Um, let me just kind of give you um, a couple of things that I think you need to be aware of. First off, let me say thank you for so many of you that donated to uh, help with the cameras and to update those. Um, we have one of the cameras actually mounted up there on the, in the back of the PA booth. And uh, I went back there Wednesday night, or no, Thursday, I guess it was. And there's a joystick that controls it where it points at, and you can zoom with the joystick. And for an additional $50 donation, we'll let you try it. So, so, <laughs> so, so uh, it's a pretty cool little camera back there. Um, I appreciate uh, the work the PA booth has done over the last three months, just tirelessly making it better and improving it, and I appreciate that, and then you donating to help us get the equipment we need installed to make that uh, even a better production. We see live stream as a ministry that will go on from here on out, and uh, part of what needs to be, and hopefully that'll continue to be a blessing to many. Um, now, I just bragged on you guys, but I do seem to have a major echo in here this morning. I don't know if that's just in my head again, but it does seem to be echoey up here. Uh, so, there's that. Um, then I want to say also that we were praying together about. Thank you, Lord. Uh, <clears throat> there's the answer right there. Um, we were praying about adding our uh, new missionary, Nathan Beal. Uh, Nathan and his wife are going to the country of Chile. Uh, they're working to do training of nationals and planning of churches. And so the deacon board and I had asked you to pray with the pastors and, and the deacons about adding them on. And we did vote at our last deacons meeting uh, to add them on. And so we'll be taking on the Beale family starting this coming month uh, at $100 a month. And so I'll ask you to uh, continue to pray for them. And uh, we'll be sharing updates with you and uh, with them as well, uh, what God's doing in their ministry. And so um, are you guys hearing that or is it just me? You're hearing that too. Okay. Uh, Brother Mike, did I do something to my microphone? Do I need to change or... It seems to be very robotish. Is that the right way to say that? Testing one. I hear a click when I'm moving. My mic is doing that, I think. I'm going to fasten it down. It is tight. All right. That sounds better. Oh. All right, we'll go with it. All right. Um, and then finally, let me just say thank you, too, for your patience uh, with uh, this rolling back in of doing things normal. Um, as I talk with you many of you this morning, you're like, I'll give you a hug, and you don't care, and that's great. And uh, I personally am not overwhelmed by it. I, I'll, I'll tell them myself and then tell you where I was at. About halfway through this whole thing, um, I was coming up to take uh, T, uh, TJ or Ali, I was taking you to work. And we were coming up Hayes Road to take TJ to work, and um, we were running a little behind, and, and uh, he had to fill out a form to get to work. And I said, well, I think I got a pen in here, and I'm rolling up to the stoplight. As I'm rolling, we're going really slow by this point, but I'm rolling to the stoplight, and I reached down to get a pen. And you know what happened. I rear-ended the guy in front of me, and uh, we just bumped bumpers, you know, and it wasn't a hard hit, but I bumped into him. And so I'm like, oh, man, 
that's a bummer, you know, and now I'm going to have to, we're going to have to call the police, and it's going to be a thing, and I get out of the car, and there's absolutely no damage to either car, and uh, so the gentleman in front of me, he gets out, and he comes back, and we're standing there looking at him, and he goes, he said, man, we're good, this looks great, it's no problem, and, um, and he was a young fellow in his 20s, I guess, and uh, he said, man, don't worry about it, I'm like, are you sure, and he said, yeah, man, don't worry about it, we're good, and he just does one of these, you know, and, I, and without thinking, I'm like, give it, and then he pulls me in for a hug, and so, so I'm standing in the middle of Hayes Road, and I hugged a guy I never met before. So um, that was about four weeks into this thing. So I went three months, and the only stranger I hugged was some guy I've never met before. So uh, so the only person outside my family I hugged was somebody I'd never met. What's that? Probably family. Pro- well, I don't know. Uh, but uh, we, you know, so yeah, I, felt, I felt this, uh, that I think our motive and uh, the staff we talked about this week, our motive has always been a love of neighbor and a concern for those who have a fearful heart. We want to make sure we're guarding that. We're guarding our testimony in the community. Uh, we're guarding the care for our brothers and sisters in Christ inside this room uh, right now. And we want to walk that back carefully. Um, we're not doing what we do out of fear. We haven't done this out of fear. Uh, we're doing it out of careful stewardship of the resources God given us. Here's what I believe. I believe the church has still got to go forward. Amen. And the work of Christ has to march forward. And we're going to get back to inviting people to church. We have a guest this morning that was invited to church by one of our teenagers. And we're thankful for that. Uh, And continuing to do just that. uh, Bringing people and and reaching out. And as this world around us sees the faith of God's people, we hope they're encouraged by it as well. And we want to do that patiently. So let me just say thank you for your patience. I know some of you are like, Pastor, open the doors and let us get back to church. And others of you are like, I'm just not sure where we ought to be. Um, And so we have been prayerfully considering how to do this. Now, let me give you two more dates. Next Sunday, we're going to do 100 again. Uh, Next Sunday, we already have, I think I was told, 88 people signed up for next Sunday. Uh, And so that list is almost completely full. Um, And so that's a full house already next week. Excited about that. Uh, But then on June 21st and the 28th, on those two Sundays, we're going to have two services. And we'll do 100 in each service. Now, it's going to be important that you sign up for those services. And the, the idea is to try to get the majority of our people to be able to come to a church service on a Sunday. And so we're going to do two services at 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock. Now, those signups could get a little bit confusing. I get that. But I need you to be, uh, here's what I need you to do. I need you to read the directions on the website, all right? Go on the website and read the directions on the website and see the sign up. And it is always extremely clear and well done. It's just sometimes we get ahead of ourselves and we're wondering where to go. And so it would be very helpful if you feel like, Pastor, I have no problem uh, getting up, being here at 9 o'clock in the morning and be done by 10, 30, 10.15, 10.30, you're home. And if you're comfortable with that, let me encourage you to jump on that bandwagon and sign up there. Uh, and we want to make sure that we get signed up. The reason for the sign up uh, and the spreading out is to, so we can get the majority of our people back on, in a church service on a Sunday, and we can keep some distancing still as we go forward with that. Um, but what we don't want to happen is not have a sign up and everybody show up at 11 o'clock and it's me and Randy singing to each other at nine, you know. Though we do that on occasion. We do come in here and sing together just by ourselves. Um, but um, so we, we want to make sure we're in, you're asking you to help us with that. And so uh, some of you, you're already early risers. Go ahead and log on as soon as that goes live, and it should go live on Thursday uh, or Friday of this week. The sign-up sheet will go live, 
uh, and you'll get an email out and everything. So go ahead and jump on and sign up at 9 o'clock or 11 o'clock and get yourself signed up for the 21st and the 28th. And we're walking this back one stage at a time try to open it up and see where we're at. And we're also thankful that the governor is uh, laxing and releasing some of these uh, restrictions on us. And how many of you are going to a restaurant this week? Everybody, you already, got, you already planning to go. All right, good. Yes. Yes, how, absolutely. Um, I was given a gift card on April 1st for Cracker Barrel. And I've been holding on to that. My wife gave it to me for my birthday. And I've been holding on to that. I can't wait for Cracker Barrel to open. Some chicken and dumplings, some collard greens, fried okra, and I wish they still serve buttermilk, but they don't, but some cornbread. So uh, I plan to go to Cracker Barrel sometime in the near future, and uh, very good. Well, thank you for your patience. Take your Bibles this morning. Let's go to Mark chapter number nine. Mark chapter number nine. Our reading is going to be rather short this morning. Uh, we're just going to take a couple of verses at the end of this account that we looked at last week. And uh, I wish I could have everybody in our church be together as we talk about this. And uh, those of you that are tuning in online, I hope you will pay close attention to the next 15 or 20 minutes as we open this text together. In verse number 28 and 29 is what we're going to read together, just two verses. And if you would, let's stand together and read those verses together. Jesus is here, healed the boy with the demon. Remember the disciples were unable to cast him out. Jesus comes down. He asked the father, do you believe? And he said, Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. And we saw last week it was help me and keep on helping me. Aren't you glad that God doesn't help us once and then leave us? He helps us and he keeps on helping us. And he said, help thou mine unbelief. They leave the scene. And in verse 28, and when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast him out? And he said unto them, this kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. Let's pray together. Father, we ask you to add your blessing to this reading. Lord, I pray, Father, that what is said this morning, that, Lord, you would give us a heart to hear you and to be stirred by your word. Thank you for your goodness. In the precious name of Jesus, we ask it. Amen. You can be seated there. <clears throat> it is the job of a pastor to preach the word of God and to do so unapologetically and boldly. But make no mistake that when we stand to preach the word of God, we are not preaching from a platform of accomplishment. We're not saying, yes, I've got this figured out and now you should get it figured out. That should never be the heartbeat of a pastor, but the heartbeat of the pastor is this is the journey that we should walk in, and we're walking in it together, that we're laboring together to go in this direction. It is not, it's not Joshua going over, or the, the spies going over in the promised land and saying, it's saying, hey, look, there is a promised land, and we can accomplish it. We can do this together. Now let's go, and let's see what God has done and what God can do. You see, we are laboring together. We are testing the promises of God together. We are on an adventure together to see where the promises of God would take us and to go there and to see God's purpose and a plan and reach beyond ourselves and see God as he is and see God in all of his might. This morning, God is not dead. God is alive. This morning, we do not serve a God who is passive in this world. We do not serve a God that is powerless in this world. 
So often we look at God and we can get very clinical about what we believe and we can tell the world what we believe about our theology and we can tell the world what we believe about our politics and we can tell the world what we believe. Let me see this. The world doesn't want to hear what God can do. The world needs to see what God can do. They need a demonstration of power, not just a declaration of morality. And here's where Jesus and the apostles are coming together at the end of this text. And such a convicting question. I, I don't know if this hits you as hard as it hits me this morning, but I hope to maybe bring some, some light to this text. There was a healing that amazed the people. They were amazed at what Jesus could do. The question that followed, the miracle, why could we not cast him out? This question must have hung heavy in the air, and commentators tell us that the tone or the underlying wording of the question here was not a question of saying, hmm, why couldn't I do that? It was, hey, why, why did you let me run out of power so we couldn't do that anymore? And it, so the question was almost an, an indictment on the Lord more than it was an observation of their weakness. And, I, and I'll give you that in just a moment. The instructions that resorted them to the face. You see... Now, let me, just, let me just say here, these disciples, they were confronted with a major problem, and they tried to cast out the demon. And at least we can say an E for effort, right? You tried to do something. And we live in a world where people are trying to do something to push back the darkness, and however ill-informed they may be, or however uh, uh, doctrinally off they may be, Let's at least cheer for those who are trying to make a difference. Cheer for those who would give their time to labor. I, I think of uh, all the situations that we could list, and we dealt in Ohio for years with such a, uh, an epidemic of drug addiction. And we would see people doing their best to push back that darkness, and maybe in a faulty way, but there is hope in that, that somebody would stand up. And so let's not give the disciples too hard a time. Because they were making some effort. Then Jesus gives them the answer. And I'm going to take the text and just break this down into three segments if I could. First off, this kind, why could we not? And then by prayer. And we'll look at those three parts of this section. And Jesus answers them. And he says, why could we not cast him out? And he said unto them, this kind cometh forth. And the, the phrase here is, it's not talking about this kind of miracle but this kind of demon, this kind of possession, this kind of problem, he refers to the demon, the type or the nature of this demon who had possession of the boy, and he was holding on to him with tenacity. And it seems to me that there are harder issues than others. There are stronger demons than others. There are situations that grip a society that are more painful than other situations. There are woes that need to be addressed in our own life and our own heart that are harder to deal with. And Jesus is literally saying, this kind of demon, this kind of problem, there's no question that we are faced in our generation with many of this kind of problems, this kinds of heartaches that we look at this world and we, we rack our brain of how to solve it, how to get our head around it, how to get in and do something that matters. Even the church, we would do many things to address homelessness or racism or we would deal uh, with uh, anarchy and we would look at all of these things that we would say this is a heartache and this is a frustration and it's just not a simple solution. 
I don't know if you feel that frustration, but I feel that frustration. That there are problems that are not just simple fixes. It's not, well, let me tell you how to solve this problem in one step because ultimately it gets down to the heart of men and women where they live right down in their soul. And this kind is not an easy one to fix. We have questions that have no simple answers. We have heartaches that, that lack the easy fix. The demons of fear and of apathy and of anger and of pride and control and of men seeking power and other people seeking power and other people taking just cause to get power from themselves and politicians who want nothing more than to be reelected. And they're willing to say whatever it takes to get reelected. And too often, Christians that are simply looking to be seen as right instead of doing right, this kind is overwhelming. We look at friends and neighbors without the gospel, and we stand there across the ideological chasm that oftentimes we find ourselves when it's friends and family and co-workers, and we think, how in the world am I going to be able to reach that person who thinks different and sees the world differently from me, and, and they think everything about God differently from me, but I know that I have the gospel of Jesus Christ, and somehow or another I want to get across this great gulf that separates us and bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to them. And I'll be honest with you, when I stand there and I think about that, when I talk to friends and neighbors and people around us, and I see that need of getting the gospel to them, I'll be honest with you, my heart swells with almost fear and anxiety of how can I get there because the gap seems so large, seems so far away. It's a this kind of issue. It's a this kind of issue. This kind, when we see the gap between us and the gospel, uh, between these people, and uh, we see our nation in turmoil and pain, and we again are confronted with a, this kind of problem. We see our own children and grandchildren questioning the need of the church. Why do we even need the youth group? Why should I read my Bible? Why should I walk with God? Why should I pursue that anyway? I don't know about you, but when I see the distance between where I am and the heart of our young people often, I want to reach out and grab their heart, but I realize that humanly speaking, it is outside of my grasp because I can't get there. How many of you ever feel like you wish you could just take the, your head of your child and twist it off and pour in what they want, need to know, and then screw it back on and everything would be well? And you feel the frustration of that because you sit on the phone and you talk to that child that you raised in church and you wonder why they're not listening anymore. And it's a this kind of problem. It's a problem that grieves our heart and ought to weigh heavy on us, but too often we pass it by and we make excuses and we say, well, Lord, it was a problem, but how come you wouldn't give us the power to do that? I don't understand. I thought you were a powerful God. And they kind of pass the problem off onto the Lord. You understand this kind of problem confronted the disciples. We see the moral failures of our leaders. We see the mental collapse of many pastors even in ending their life. We see the frustration of a consumer-driven church to always have the leg up on the next church. And how do we get past that? And it's a this kind of problem. This kind of demon is one that not only sought to control, but he sought to destroy the one that he had hold of. He cast him into the fire. He caused him to be thrown into the water, and he wanted to destroy the one who he possessed. 
And this kind of demon is one that came to stay. He didn't came to go. It wasn't coming just to plague for a time, but it's one that showed up and held on and had done so since the boy was a youth. It was a long-term problem. Let me say, church, if we're going to address this kind of problem in our society, in our churches, in our home, we must go beyond the inconveniences and others' problems cause us and get serious about making a difference. How many understand that the problems and the pains of this world can be a great inconvenience to us? And I think that much of our frustration with them is more about the inconvenience it causes us than the pain they're experiencing. Are we willing to get beyond the inconvenience that it causes us and say, God, what do we need to do to address this kind of problem? Where do we need to step out? Then the question is, why could we not? In chapter 6 of Mark, Jesus had addressed the disciples and had given them power over demons to cast out demons and even to heal the sick. He had given them uh, delegated authority over the demonic world and they were going about casting out demons and healing the sick. They were anointing them with oil and they were being revived and the disciples had this experience already and now they come face to face with this experience and it's kind of like all my magic's gone. Everything's missing now. They had had power to cast out demons and now they can't. It's kind of like going to the store or the, the bank and you swipe the card expecting everything to be okay. We've all been there at some point or another. And it's an embarrassing moment when you swipe the card and it's like, sorry, it's been declined. You're like, run it again. I'm like, I know there's money in there. And swipe it again. Declined. What's the problem here? You know, and then you're calling your husband, calling your wife. What's the deal? What's going on with the card? Something's not happening. It's almost as absentmindedly the apostles walk up to this kind of a situation and they pull out their spiritual debit card and they swipe the card and nothing happens. And they're like, run it again. I, I know that I know that it works. I've already seen it work before. And they swipe it again expecting something to happen. But you understand, if that card is to work, there has to be something behind it. There has to be something in the source behind it. It's not just this act of walking through the motions and doing the same old thing. Was the fault in the Lord's commission? Was it in his instruction to them? We see the fault was not in the man or the son, because Jesus had just healed the son. And so the problem didn't lie there, and yet even in all of this, they're really not getting the point that the problem lied with them. Let me show you first off what Jesus didn't say was the solution. He didn't say, this kind cometh not because you don't have doctrinal clarity. He said, well, you don't have all your doctrine in a row. You know, here's the thing. There are many believers in the Lord Jesus Christ that don't see everything the way I see it, but they love the Lord Jesus Christ. They believe in the death, burial, and resurrection, and they believe Jesus is coming. They believe in a heaven or a hell, and they're doing things different than me, and God is using them. Why too often we in our stuffiness sit back and want every I to be dotted and every T to be crossed, and we're missing the fact that we're not accomplishing this kind. This kind doesn't come out because every doctrinal thing was checked off it wasn't because of a lack of organizational perfection or a lack of quality production 
there's a satire site, and I thought it was kind of funny. And so pardon me as I take the joke just a little bit, but in this satire thing, it says local church had to stop worship because the smoke machine broke. And if a church chooses to use that, that's between them and the Lord. It's not our business. But the point being is that too often we can put too much weight on the surrounding things that we use. And by the way, we do the same thing if we're not careful. I believe this. I believe the Lord Jesus Christ can show up whether we have an entire orchestra or we're singing from a hymn book in the backyard of the church. God can show up when it's just two of us or three of us in the Lord's name doing the work of God. And too often we get held on to and surrounded by and dependent upon our ability to put on a production. The lack of good marketing wasn't the problem. The lack of proper church polity wasn't the problem. It is possible to be doctrinally sound with a cutting-edge production and yet lead a powerless Christian life a life with no change, a life that produces no change, rescues no souls, and stirs no waters. And quite frankly, that's not where I want to live. I don't want to live in a ministry that does no change. I'm all for all that we do here, and we labor to make a good production. We've spent money to make sure our cameras work better and we do better. But ultimately, if we do all of these things, we produce a good production, we market well, and we should do so, and we do all of these things well, let me just say again, all is vain unless the Spirit of the Lord come down. Jesus didn't point them to their production. Notice he didn't seem to react adversely to the news either. May God grant us a holy dissatisfaction with powerless Christianity. Give us a holy dissatisfaction. And so what was Jesus' answer? This is the answer. Jesus looks at them in verse number 29, and he said unto them, this kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. And when we go to Matthew, his account of the text, Jesus opens up by saying, you couldn't cast him out because of your unbelief. This morning, I believe prayer is a demonstration of our faith in him and our dependence upon him. This kind needs active, empowered faith that is born out of an active relationship with a living God that we really trust and we really believe, and we believe that he is alive and well and working today. See, the apostles had not spent time in prayer as the Lord had done so. They had not spent time connecting themselves and understanding that the source of their power was not found in the newest book that they got. I thought to do it this morning, but I thought better of it. But how many books do we have on church growth and church planning and church organization? And I could bring stacks of books out here this morning. Many of them are very helpful and have good wisdom and they're very practical and, and we've gleaned from them. But ultimately, you can have all of those boxes checked. You can learn all of that information. But if there's not prayer and fasting, if there's not that kind of connection with the Lord Jesus Christ, then there's no this kind of ministry. It doesn't exist. So busy doing the work that we fail to be with the one who should be doing the work. As we get ahead of the Lord and we begin to do the work on our own, you see, prayerlessness is the greatest demonstration of unbelief. The greatest demonstration that you and I can have of unbelief is a lack of prayer. 
Not praying, praying to be seen of men, but a prayer that secures our heart or anchors our heart to heaven and gives God the glory and puts us in eternal perspective again. See, it is only in habitual prayer that we strengthen faith in God. See, I think prayer so often, we, we get it frustrated with it a little bit. And we see prayer is, how many believe prayer changes things? Yeah, absolutely we do. How many believe God responds to prayer? Now, how many believe God knows everything that's going to happen tomorrow? So how does that work? And in that moment right there, we lose faith. And someone asked me a few weeks ago, well, why do we pray? First off, we pray because he told us to. He called us to pray. But I love this illustration. We think so often a prayer of moving God's will to us, but somebody likened prayer to a man on a boat who threw a line to the shore, and he begins to pull on the line. How many of you understand he's not pulling the shore closer to him? He's pulling himself closer to the shore. And when you and I, we reach out in prayer, what we find is that our heart becomes more and more aligned with God. And the more we pray, the more our heart becomes in line with him. And we begin thinking about our neighbor like he thinks about our neighbor. We begin thinking about our children like he thinks about our children. And it's not annoyed with the people who annoy us anymore, but it's a heart of tenderness toward those who've gotten on our nerve because our hearts begin to be in tune with him. You see, too often, I think the apostles, maybe in this text, had a crowd around them. They had a request that came to them, and they were willing to put the power on display. But when Jesus does the work, he calls the man and son off to the side and pushes the display away, not making a scene out of it, and heals the man. And he said, this kind comes not forth but by prayer. And God is calling you and I this morning to have a heart of prayer that is dependent upon him. Why could we not? Because of your unbelief. This morning, I hope that we have a desire to be effective in our home, at work, in school, in church, in our witness, in our disciple-making. See, when we sense a lack of power, it is often our temptation to immediately run to our procedures and our programs and our plans. One Chinese Christian came and visited the United States at the turn of the century into the 1900s not the last turn of the century. And he came to visit the United States, and the question was, what, were you, what impressed you the most about the church in America? And he said, the most impressing thing about the church in America is how much the church can accomplish without God. And we're good at it. We organize well, we plan well, we empower, we recruit. But ultimately, if all we do is those things, this kind of enemy continues on. This kind we find ourselves powerless to do. You see, you and I, by our organization, we can feed a hungry mouth. But your organization and my organization, your planning, my planning, our strategies, all of those things, none of those can change one soul for eternity. What do we need to do that? What do we need to do to reach our teams what do we need to do to reach the people in the pew next to us? We need some people, moms and dads, teenagers, children, on our knees crying out to God, saying, God, we want to see this kind of power.
a church that is not noted by just how well we're organized or how clean and smooth things run or how well we communicate, but I want to see hearts changed. It only happened because we're willing to spend time in his presence, getting to know his heart and being empowered by his work to see this kind. May God give us that heart this morning. May God give us a heart. So often we're tempted to doubt the Lord when things don't work. Question him. The answer question is not the problem with him. He is still the same God yesterday, today, and forever. Could it be that the disciples were seeking a political agenda? And they had this political agenda so strongly in their sight that they could miss the heavenly agenda. Think about it. These men are just in the next text going to deny again, ignore the fact again that the Messiah is going to suffer. They're going to turn their back on the suffering Messiah because they didn't want a suffering Messiah. They didn't want a suffering church. They didn't want a suffering assembly. They wanted a ruling assembly. And this morning, Christian, maybe we're not called to be the ruling assembly anymore. Maybe we're called to go to the prayer closet and shut the door and weep and see God do a work that he can do far better if he's getting the glory for it than if the church is getting patted on the back for it. God, give us this kind, this kind of gospel ministry again. Let's pray together. Father, No doubt this weighs heavy on us this morning, and Lord, I do not mean to mitigate that at all. Father, we acknowledge that we are weak this morning, that our hearts are hungry to see you do something in our midst. Our hearts are desirous to see you do a work that only you can do. And yet so often our schedules are so filled that we never spend any time in prayer. Or may we resolve if nothing more than just for today, to spend our time in prayer this week to make it a resolve. And then next Sunday, let us resolve it again. God, give us this kind. Help us to be able to face the enemies that come to make a difference. Give us fruit that remains, not in our own power, but in yours. In the precious name of Jesus, we ask it. Mm -hmm.